Hey, 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 what's up, guys? It's Lisa A. Smith, founder of the Black Health Academy, back with another solo episode here in my Obedience Podcast, which is the podcast inside of a podcast. So most of you know we have the Black Health Academy podcast here on this platform that I co-host with Miss Get Fit With Jay. And then we have my solo podcast entitled Obedience. And Obedience is all about living on purpose, how to get and stay in alignment, right? And so this is episode 30, uh, episode 13, normalize making great money and serving. So I think this is kind of the first time in this obedience series where I'm going to really deep dive into money, um, why it's important, why you shouldn't shy away from it and why it making it can coexist with serving if you're working in the helping field. Um, if you haven't already, I will highly recommend, I think the episode that's kind of closest to this that will be relatable um, would be the episode that I did entitled The Best Advice I Never Took. And that episode was really about, you know, someone telling me early on in my career that, you know, if I wanted to be financially free and financially stable and basically have a successful business, I couldn't rely on black people to get there. Um, And in that episode, I talk about you know, why that advice wasn't true, right? And I, that, that was actually the last episode, episode 12, the best advice I never took. So that one was about money in a different way though. This one is about to be money for real, okay? So I wanna normalize making great money and helping because honestly and truly, I think sometimes many of us believe that you know, money is evil and we know it's the love of money that is no good. But we we oftentimes are ashamed of charging for our gifts. We're oftentimes, um, you know, believe that, you know, keeping the price low or making things, quote unquote, affordable, even though affordable is however you define it. Right. Everybody's affordable is a different number. But we think, quote unquote, making things affordable is, you know, something to be proud of. It puts you on a pedestal, you know, makes you kind of high and mighty by making things quote unquote affordable. But again, affordable is objective. Um, And so we oftentimes feel like if if your services or your product is designed to help someone in need, right, then it shouldn't cost at all. Or if it does cost, it should almost be below market value right? Um, In order for you to sleep at night. And that's at least this, I'm only speaking from the black female entrepreneurial perspective. Okay. But that's oftentimes what a lot of individuals uh, believe when they're creating products and services for a certain market. And not only that, what I've found is that we've now gotten to a place where we've convinced consumers that of that as well, right? Because us as entrepreneurs and business owners believe that things should be quote unquote affordable all the time. And again, I'm using that word very lightly because my affordable and your affordable are two different affordable. So what does that even mean? Um, But then the consumer then expects like, if you're trying to help me or if I need this in order to do this, then it shouldn't cost me, right? It shouldn't cost me anything. And so we have this like entitled 
set of consumers and then then backed by these producers who are basically, you know, are under the belief that, you know, I sh should struggle. I should every month be forced to piecemeal, you know, my bills together. I should have to ride the line of just staying above the fold in my business and in my personal finances because I want to help people. And if I want to help people, that can't come with making money. So that's what I want to talk about today. And I'm going to give you some very specific things to consider um, as you're pricing out your services and products. And um, I'm going to kind of really deep dive into those things today. So as usual, I'm going to tell you what I'm sipping on. I'm sipping just warm water this evening. It's, I'm recording this in the evening. Um, I've been literally working since it's 10 o'clock p.m. And I've been working since 8 o'clock a.m. And I tried to stop. Like I stopped to make dinner. Uh, and then I just kept working. Like I couldn't, it was one of those days where I was just like, go, 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 go. I was like getting stuff done. It was feeling amazing. So this is not a normal day for me at all. I try and stop working when the sun is going down and start moving into a resting state. Like the second half of my working day after dinner was like on the couch in the living room, <laughs> scrolling, doing some researching, you know, investing in some systems, things like that. My first half was literally in my office at my desk, like bulldozing through, through some stuff until like 5, 6 p.m. And then I finally stopped, made dinner and, you know, ate dinner and was like, I tried to put like a show on or something, but I couldn't stop. And you know what? It, it, I had, like yesterday was my off day, so I didn't work at all yesterday. So this always happens when I take an off day. It's like, and I don't do it out of guilt. I do it out of excitement. So it's not like, oh, I should work yesterday. So let me just do extra today. No, that's not it at all. I literally was just really excited to get some stuff done. And also like we're um, closing out our winter semester of Farm to Table in just a couple of days. And we have like 37 women of color who, you know, we have to onboard into alumni status. And so it's a lot that we have to do at the end of the semester, specifically this semester, because there's a lot of like new stuff we're trying out. And there's a lot of a lot of things that are kind of being introduced in a different way this semester for um, offboarding our students, onboarding them into alumni status, you know, um, getting them ready to officially graduate and receive their certificates of completion. So it's just some stuff I want to do over the weekend so I wouldn't be slammed come Monday. You didn't ask for any of that. I'm sorry. Okay, so... <laughs> So I have some warm water here as I talk over the next hour or so. I'll take periodic breaks just to wet my palate. That sound like this. So don't get alarmed if you hear that small pause. That's just me taking a sip of warm water. You guys, anybody that's been listening to me, you know I do not, um, I do not, uh, drink cold water. I drink room temperature water or hot water. So I'm always with tea or some warm water. So there it is. Let's get started. You know, obedience episode 13 entitled normalize making great money and serving. Okay. So I'm usually not really transparent with, you know, my personal life a lot because it's my personal life. 
and um, being, you know, somewhat of a small time public figure, I like to, you know, keep some things private and personal because I'm a really, really private person, believe it or not. And so I like to keep things kind of private, but I'm going to, I'm going to share some stuff during this episode just to, you know, make my points throughout. Okay. Um, cause I think it's really important. So one thing I want to start with is kind of what it means to be a black female entrepreneur, because we're a really unique demographic for a couple of reasons. If you're a black female entrepreneur, especially if you're in the helping profession, you know, we tend to want to help everyone and black women in general, regardless of what profession they're, profession they're in, are kind of known for being strong, for being vigilant, for being, you know, courageous, for, you know, being able to uh, bounce back quickly, like resilient, right? Um, and so th- that just kind of comes in our DNA. And it's a gift and a curse because it came in our DNA because we've had to overcome so much, first of all, as black people in general, and then specifically as black women, just because historically, you know, this world, not just the co- this country of the U.S., but this world, you know, has worked so hard to strip the black man of his masculinity, to strip the black man of his identity, to strip the black man of his life. And so, you know, as black women, in very unique ways that our non-black uh, female counterparts haven't had to experience, we've had to step up to the plate for our families, for our communities, um, you know, for the world, you know, and we have to lead by example in so many cases, whether we want to or not. We are bold, you know, we are one of the fastest growing um demographic of entrepreneurs like we're just beasts you know and so when you are a black female entrepreneur and you make the choice to be an entrepreneur as a black woman and specifically go into a helping field a lot of times because of what we've seen and experienced and been through ourselves, and I'm talking specifically financially, you know, we go into this entrepreneurial space kind of believing that a lot of things aren't affordable for a lot of people and that we need to price our products and services in such a way that doesn't intimidate people, doesn't scare off people, or moreover, you know, doesn't exclude the people that we want to serve. So we think, you know, keep it a low price tag and, you know, we can, we're talking, when we do that, we're then targeting the people we want to target to help. Right. And I used to subscribe to this mindset also, um, which again, if you listen to episode 12, when I say talk about the best advice I never took, I talk about that in detail. You know, I used to subscribe to that, that, you know, I basically need to undervalue my gift in order for people to be able to afford it in order to serve. And so I, you know, I had to do the work to overcome that, um, and still doing the work to overcome that, honestly. So as this unique demographic, Um, of black female entrepreneurs in the serving field, you know, sometimes getting to a place, getting your company to a place of profit takes longer 
because of a lot of these limiting belief systems, right? Um, and, you know, it even takes longer to even hire another person, let alone a team of people. Um, it can take longer to kind of establish yourself and get to a place where you're not just working in your business day in and day out, but you have some people and systems in place that afford you the freedom to work on your business, right? And not just in your business. And so, you know, for all of these reasons, like I said, it can often take longer for us to establish real companies that have lasting power. Because, you know, if you're the only person working in your company, in your business, right? And if something happens with you that limits or eliminates your ability to do the work, the company no longer exists, right? And so our mission is to grow to a place where, you know, our unique strategies, framework, and um, products and services that we created can exist without our hands always having to be on deck. So that's always the mission in business, right? Is to essentially create an exit strategy for you as the founder, okay? And that doesn't mean you're not working as part of the company, but you shouldn't have to work as hard as you did in the beginning when you were getting things off the ground, right? And if you find yourself in that same place years later, it's time to do some reevaluating. It's time to do some pivoting. And it's time to more than likely be bold and courageous and make some really um, big decisions and make some changes as, as a lot of you guys are going to follow me on that journey as I do that over the next year. Like there's a lot of shifts coming in um, my uh, programs that I create and that I offer for that very reason. And so um, those you'll, but you'll follow along. We'll do more episodes. We'll talk about that, but let's just stick right down to the money. So, you know, over the last several years of being an entrepreneur, you know, I've, you know, had the luxury of, you know, getting somewhat comfortable, right? I, you know, this year, no, last year, you know, I was able to move into my dream loft, right? At, at dream for the level I'm on right now. Like it's everything I wanted. It's perfect. And I was kind of forced to look for a new place, honestly, because of COVID, because of the pandemic. Um, I needed a official home office. The loft I lived in before this one was much smaller. Um, and there was not just a space that I could dedicate strictly to my work and my office space. So because I was now doing not just teaching and coaching from home, but now doing all my speaking engagements from home, then it really highlighted the fact that I needed a much, much bigger space. And so last year I was able to do that and move into my dream loft, right? Um, I drive a nice luxury vehicle. I have been for a couple years now um, and uh, upgraded to one last year. And then just literally last... Um, upgraded to another model last year. And then literally five, what's today? Seven days ago, um, I drove about 45 minutes away to test drive the next vehicle that I really want, that I've been wanting for years. But I'm gonna wait to get it because I plan on paying cash because I don't want a car note. I can't, I haven't had a car note in forever. So I like to pay cash for my cars. So, you know, but I drive a nice luxury vehicle. I live in my nice dream loft. Um, you know, and I take several trips throughout the year, you know, and, and I do at least one international trip every year. I think I got robbed. Oh, no, last year we did Jamaica. Um, this year I'll be in Tokyo for the Olympics. 
um, and then, you know, a couple other places. So it's really like I really prioritize pleasure in my life. You know, I decorate my house in such a way that I that makes me happy. Right. I don't just do what it's what's affordable. I go all out like I really make it a point. Like if I have to stay here and be here, um, I want things that are nice. Like I love I when I got wallpaper installations and all of this stuff. Like I like to surround myself by things that make, that make me really happy aesthetically. Right. Um, and so I say all that to say that. I did all this by helping people and I did all this by being obedient, right? I've never, ever, ever talked about, you know, my own personal financial situation in that way, basically listen off things that I have. Cause at the end of the day, those things don't matter. But I also know that if for some reason I lose any of those things, I can get all of those things back because my gift is what got me those things. And I still utilize and maximize my gift very intentionally. Right. And so being obedient has afforded me those things. Right. So, you know, when I go out with my friends, I can treat them, you know, when if something, if an opportunity comes up, I know <laughs> I mean, my one friend, like every time I want to do something with her, um, like neither one of us literally is, it's never like, send me your half of the money or send me your half of the money and then we'll book it. Like literally, I just recently bought tickets to a, um, a concert and I text her just to make sure she was available to go that day. And soon she said, yeah, I like just bought the tickets. Like there was a time where I couldn't do that, where I'd be like, do you want to go with it? Go here. And then here's my half of the money. Here's your half. But I'm just like, it doesn't even matter to me. I'm just like, I want to go. You're the person I want to go with. I want to make sure that you're available. The only thing that matters is that you're available that day. Like we don't, we don't care about the money. Every time we go out to dinner and stuff, it's like, whoever, who's paying me or you, you know? And it's just like, I love that. I love being able to you know, um, give to my friends and treat my friends. And like that is a level of financial freedom that makes me happy. And of course, the levels of financial freedom are going to go way up, right? Like I made a declaration this year. So I'm in Michigan, as most of you know, and um, you know, we have really cold winters here in, in Michigan. And this year is no different. There's like snow and ice and just cold. Like, and I've lived here my whole life. I've moved away a couple times, but I've come back a couple times too. And it's cold and I hate it. And so I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was actually talking to Jay, actually. You guys know Jay from the Black Health Academy podcast. So Jay and I were kicking it a couple of weeks ago. And I had, I had, cause I had just had this epiphany and I went to her and I was like, oh my God, Jay, I was like, I made a decision. <laughs> she's like, what? I was like, I'm buying a winter home. And she's like, what? I was like, I, why, why would I stay here and suffer through another winter? Like there's absolutely no reason that I can't move to another place for the winter and, and cold fall months. Like I work a hundred percent virtually. I don't have to be anywhere. Like all my speaking engage engagements are virtual indefinitely. Um, and even if they're not, they're speaking engagements. There's there one day I can fly to wherever. All my courses and programs online are a hundred percent virtual. The nutrition classes I teach every month are a hundred percent virtual. Like 
there's no reason for me to be in Michigan in the winter. I'm like, I am about to buy a property in a warm city for the winter. I'm going to have a winter home. Like, you know, how people go to Florida for the winter or go out to California for a winter. But when you think about those people who are doing that, you always think about older people. At least I did. Okay. At least I did. I always thought like a second home or to have a winter home or to have a summer home or whatever really meant, meant pretty much retirement or close to retirement. But I'm like, no, I can do that in my 30s. I'm like, I can prioritize things in my life in such a way where having a second home in the winter, you know, is available to me. Right. And so I was telling her about that. <laughs> and she got so excited. She's like, oh, my God, because I told her one of the places I was thinking about having uh, by my winter home is in New Orleans. And so she, of course, just made it like the she's like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a friend with a home in New Orleans. That's going to be amazing. We're going to just party, have a good time. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Like, it's so it's so awesome when you have someone in your circle who thinks big, who thinks differently and who literally lives their life in such a way that automatically just by you being attached to them, having that privilege to be attached to them gives you more exposure and more opportunities. She's like, man, I'll have somewhere else to fly to vacation to. I'm like, heck yeah, you will. You know, you take these keys and you go to the winter home. That's, that's going to be our winter home. Like, and it's just so amazing to think that big and, you know, to not have this ceiling or this cap, um, on what's available to me financially or not automatically reserving um, some things for a certain season in my life, you know, like, oh, a second home automatically means I need to be in my 60s or something, you know, or in my 50s. Like, no, I can do this in my 30s. And so um, and the reason I'm saying all this, again, is, first of all, it's making me a little uncomfortable to be telling my business in this way. But I want you guys to normalize making great money and serving. Okay. So now let's get into like the back end of this. Okay. Because of course the name of this series um, is obedience. And so I said it before, but I need to repeat it again. The reason, you know, these things have been afforded to me and have come to me is because of my obedience, right? You know, a lot of us can um, hustle our butts off and uh, scrimp and scrape and just like give blood, sweat and tears to our career or our profession. And it pays off financially, but it doesn't pay off personally, i.e. you never reach self-actualization, you know, just that level of autonomy, just that level of contribution that fills you up. Right. Because you can get everything I just named, a nice home, luxury vehicles, you know, a, a vacation home. Um, all of those things, but you're still not filled up. So I, I want to be clear here that I'm talking about having all of those things comfortably and being completely satisfied, like every area in your life. You're not like completely worn out and exhausted from working a job you hate or despise. Your relationships are good. I'm talking about having all those things without sacrificing your personal, physical or emotional health. Right. So I want to be very clear, like I and I live so comfortably in that. So, you know, every time I get into my luxury vehicle, driving to the grocery store or come home and I'm just looking at the beautiful view from my loft, like it's no, it's all I can do is thank God. Cause I'm like, I got here 
and I still have amazing relationships. I still have 100% my health intact. My body is great. My mind is great. My emotions are great. I'm in all these great relationships with people in my life who I love to death. Like I serve, you know, my community. I serve my people and I have this view right? And I'm driving this car, right? Like, and I can afford to treat my friends and I can afford to go to the Olympics this year. Like there are things that, um, that, that being obedient, cause you can get all those things without being obedient. But when you get those things by being obedient, oh man, it's a game changer. Okay. So that's my intro to this episode. <laughs> um, so now let me get into the nitty gritty. So let me tell you exactly, you know, some things you want to be cognizant of as you work toward that place if you're not there already. Okay. So I heard this um, really, really, really cool analogy recently that I really liked. And essentially, it's about, you know, um, entrepreneurship. And it's about your our level of readiness, especially, again, as people of color or um, specifically black women in the helping field. Right. Just about our level of readiness. Now, understand that when I'm teaching these obedience episodes, you know, I am specifically talking about people who are in alignment. So that means you um, have identified what your gifts, talents and purpose are, you have aligned them, you have, and you are intentionally living in that space, right? So you've identified what you were meant to do, what the calling on your life is, and you are being obedient to that, right? But just because you're being obedient to that doesn't mean that you can't live financially free on your own terms. Like, let me be clear, financially free from some people doesn't look like a luxury car and a nice big loft. That's not financially free for some people. That was mine. That was mine, right? But yours can look totally different. Whatever that level of freedom looks like for you, understand that you can reach it. You can reach it with your own, with your obedience. And your obedience does not mean that you are, uh, you are a volunteer worker, right? That you're a step above a volunteer worker. You can be obedient and it be attached to a price tag and can be attached to a, a four figure, five figure, six figure price tag. And you're still obedient. That's what I'm getting at. Like some people think their gifts are supposed to be free and they're not. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Okay. So I heard this cool analogy recently and it essentially goes like this. Professional athletes have to train, right? So think about any professional sport, whether it be the NFL, the NBA, you know, the MLB, <clears throat> hockey, whatever, right? Race car driving. I don't care what it is. Professional athletes have to train, right? And actually they spend more time training than they actually do playing the game. Think about it. You know, what, what, how long is a, a, ba a basketball game? I don't know. I know it's four quarters. I don't know how many minutes are in each quarter. But out there on the field, it's only probably like an hour. We know when we watch it on TV with commercials and all that crap, it's like two hours. But it's probably like an hour, hour and a half. I don't know. But the point is, you can surmise that they train way more than they play the game. Okay? It might be X numbers of games per season. You can probably take the total amount of time that they're on that court playing that game and 10x it. And that's how many how many hours they put in actually training for the game. Okay. 
However, and when it comes to um, professional athletes and professional sports, not only do they train way more than they actually play the game, but they also emphasize rest and recovery. Okay, so they emphasize training, i.e. practice. Right. And they also or practice or literally like fitness, like you got to work out, you got to run all of that, all that training and then actually practicing their 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 sport. And then rest and recovery is just as important. Right. Recovery. They have like they pay millions of dollars in, you know, physical therapists, experts and stretch experts and nutritionists and all of this. Right. To make sure they are prepared to play the actual game, right? So all this time goes into training, rest, and recovery as a professional athlete, right? However, when we look at and consider entrepreneurship, especially black entrepreneurship, we get zero training, (laughs) zero, especially those of us that are literally the first in our families or in our inner circles to be entrepreneurs, right? So we, a lot of times we don't even have, you know, the example of coming up and watching somebody we love run a business, right? Let alone actually working in that business and getting hands-on training. So many of us are like the first in our generation and our families to, you know, either make the choice to not go to college and start a business or, you know, to take our degrees and our training and start our own business as opposed to working for somebody else. For a lot of us, this is our first time experiencing this entrepreneurship and trying it out. So, i.e. zero training, right? So we get zero training, right? Um, Which means what? That means we get on the proverbial field knowing nothing about how to play the game. Nothing. Okay. So we just literally go out on the field and we like, which ball am I supposed to use? Am I supposed to start down there or down here? Like how fast, how slow should I run? Should I have teammates or is it too early for teammates? Like you don't know (laughs) what the heck is going on, right? You literally are thrown on the field with zero training for many of us as black entrepreneurs, right? Which means not only do we not get training, but we definitely know nothing about rest and recovery, right? So if you're like me, you heard me, I've been working since 8 a.m. today. Now, of course, it was a choice. I had an off day yesterday and there was some stuff I want to pump out today, but leave me, you know, to my own devices and I'm just working all the time, right? And so... And so I have to force rest and recovery on myself. Like I often got to like book a trip to get rest and recovery or literally like set a date with somebody to get rest and recovery. Because sometimes when I'm at home, like I can't even help it. Like I just like I'm like, let me eat. Let me do a workout. And I'm like, TV is boring. Let me go work. You know what I mean? So but that's just me. But anyway, so we get zero training and we definitely don't get taught about rest and recovery. So if you're here and you're listening, the first thing I want you to do is give yourself some grace. Okay. So before I even get into the importance of charging and making money and how you can totally make money and still be obedient, I want you to give yourself some grace because you were thrown onto this field without zero training. Right. And so you've been doing the best that you can with what you know Um, up until this point, right? And if you're like the rest of us, you know, you've probably been piecemealing this thing together, right? You learn a little bit about marketing over here, a little bit about branding over here, a little bit about 
um, CRM over here, you know, a little bit about this over here. Okay, pricing models, okay, payment systems, okay, how to build a website, okay, you know, customer relationship management, you know what I mean? And so you are you've been piecemealing a whole damn business together. That's insane, right? So give yourself some grace. You had zero training and you probably are just learning just now starting to throw in a little rest and recovery because it seems like <laughs> you might need to. But in the beginning, most of us feel like we can't even afford rest and recovery, right? We got to, we, we all we got. Okay. So first things first, give yourself some grace. Okay. Got it. Great. Okay. Let me take a sip. I was watching, um, that new movie on prime video. What's, what's the name of the film where, um, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, you know, um, Sam Cooke, they're all in the hotel room. Is that what it's called? Hotel something. Um, but they're all in a hotel room having a conversation. Um, and really, really, really good movie. And I think um, it's called the whole, uh, I forgot the name of it. But anyway, um, it was a really, really good film. And, you know, I've been trying to get into some black stuff this month for Black History Month. But anyway, I think one of the quotes from that film was um, champions don't become champions in the ring. They're just recognized there. I don't know if that was in that movie, but I know that um, I heard that quote when somebody was referring to Muhammad Ali. And so what I say, what I mean by that. Um, champions don't become champions in the ring. They're just recognized there is that oftentimes, you know, we can, when we're trying to piecemeal how to build a company together, we are looking at so many different people and we're looking at so many different things. And oftentimes we're just looking at the results of their hard work, but we don't see the hard work. Right. So we, we see they, they only have a few minutes in that ring to show you how much of a champion they are. Right. So like when, I'm teaching my nutrition class, you know, you see it's an hour, hour and a half class, but can you even imagine the amount of work I did prior to that in the days, weeks, months, and years prior to that to have that level of conviction and understanding of the knowledge, right? And so as black entrepreneurs, as black female entrepreneurs, um, we oftentimes work so hard on the back end and put in like so much sweat equity, um, just for, you know, our five minutes of fame, just to show up in that boardroom for that one hour presentation, or just to show up at that event. And for those, you know, 30 minutes they gave us of stage time, right. Just to show up for that. And, you know, I want to acknowledge you, you know, champions are not, um, they don't become champions in the ring. They be, they, they're they just recognized there. And I was like, that is so true because those of us who are living obediently and really, really bringing a phenomenal product or service to the people, right? I know you're working hard. I know you are. I've talked to so many of you and I know you're working hard and I know you're doing the best you can. And just know that you're going to get where you where you need to be as long as you take this advice I'm about to give you. OK, let's talk about money for real. OK, so. Things that I want you to consider when you're thinking about raising your rates or charging in the first place. OK, so here are some things I want you to consider, um, because a lot of times we're quite intimidated. And so we're not going to do that anymore. OK, so the first thing I want you to consider 
when you're thinking about raising your rates or how much you should charge for your gift is this, the pain of the problem. Okay. So what essentially that means is think about the person you're serving, right? How much pain is it causing them to have that problem? How much is it costing them to stay where they are? How much will it cost them to do nothing? Right? So they could, they could even either pay for your solution that you've put plenty of years and um, a certain amount of expertise into creating for them, right? Or they can stay for stay where they are. A lot of times we, again, like I mentioned earlier, we create our pricing or what we want to charge uh, based on what we think people can afford. Like we've literally made up this number in our head. And usually what we're doing is projecting. So we say, this is what I could afford. So this must be what everybody can afford, which is just just made up. It's not based on any facts, any data, anything, right? But I want you to now, we're going to reconstruct this, right? So what is it costing them to stay the same? What is it costing them to stay in pain, right? So you guys are going to see some changes in Farm to Table this year. You're going to see some changes, um, or you're going to see some changes in Farm to Table. Then you're going to see me release my plant-based certification, the other 23. Um, and you know, both of these things are going to be priced based on the value that they're giving the end user, that they're giving the student, right? So when I think about farm to table, right, we teach how to use a whole food plant-based diet to essentially live obediently. And when people come into the course with diabetes, when they come into the course with no energy, when they come into the course with sleeping problems, inflammation, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, when they come into the course, you know, with different types of cancers, when they come into the course with um, food addictions, um, emotional eating habits, when they come into the course with just brain fog, a lack of recall, lack of ability to concentrate, just mentally not clear, not solid, emotionally unstable. And when they leave the course and those things aren't there anymore, when it's like a new, a new, you know, a new season has been, uh, a, a new path has been lit for, for them. What does that mean to them? Like you should, it, it's amazing to hear our students get the success they get by using our framework, right? And so that, and when I, when I think about what it would, would have cost them to stay the same, when I think about how much it cost them by living in that condition for years before I even, before they even found farm to table or were bold enough to take farm to table, um, and when I think about, you know, what it means to them to be out of that situation and now have a new lease on life, you know, for a lot of people, that is literally priceless, right? That is invaluable, right? But we're in business, so we got to put some numbers somewhere. But that's really priceless when you think about it, right? To feel your best for your health to go from being a um, liability to being an asset. That's priceless, right? Because health is like one of those things you can't really get a second shot at if you don't do something. Because you you can you know tr start a business, it fail, and you can start another one. You know what I mean? You can get into a marriage and it fail, and you can get another and another relationship, right? There's some things that you can get second shots at. Right. But your health is one of those things we must absolutely covet with everything we have. And so what is the pain of the problem 
that you're solving for people. That's the first thing I want you to consider. And I want you to try and attach some value to that pain, right? Like for me, I know, you know, over 40% of Americans are on at least um, one prescribed drug, have at least one uh, comorbidity, right? I know, you know, over 60% of the population is overweight or obese, right? I know that the average American spends $1,200 or more um, a year on prescription drugs, right? So I know the pain, right? I know that these individuals are back and forth to the doctor constantly going back and forth, trying different medications because this one had a side effect that was just too horrific. And this one has side effects that, you know, are not so bad so they can live with them, right? So they're settling they're still settling for the worst of a bad situation. So I know about the pain points. I know the pain of our students staying the same. I know the pain. I know what it's going to cost them to not do anything or to stay where they are. So I want you to consider that for your end user. The second thing I want you to consider when thinking about, you know, charging for your gift is the sophistication of the problem the sophistication of the problem, right? So, you know, think about like all of the um, helping industries that kind of popped up, the more, not helping, but more like concierge services that boomed uh, because of COVID. So, you know, like Uber, ride sharing was already out there, you know, um, grocery shopping was already out there, like your Instacarts and all that. Food delivery services were already out there, your Uber Eats and your Grubhub. But those businesses exploded when COVID hit because people didn't want to leave the house, you know, people didn't want to drive, people wanted to stay as safe as possible, you know. And so these concierge-based services, you know, really exploded, but they're not really sophisticated, right? So in that case, people are paying for peace, but they're not paying for sophistication. So like, you know, you paying for somebody to buy your groceries. But it's safe to say that Instacart can't charge thousands of dollars a year for that service, right? I think they they average these grocery delivery services right around 99 bucks subscription or some crap for the year, right? It's safe to say that, you know, Uber Eats, you know, Grubhub, DoorDash, they can't necessarily charge you know, all of a sudden jump to like $50 delivery fee, $100 delivery fee, right? Like there is a price, there's only, there's a certain price point that the market is not going to let you surpass in your specific market, right? Whereas where you come over into the health and wellness space, where you come in over into like the business coaching space, right? Um, when you come over into like the software and tech space, oh man, the market caps are insane. Why? Because the problem gets so much more sophisticated, right? And so if you are one of those people who you're like, I'm not a tech person, I can't stand tech, it frustrates me, I just rather have somebody do it for me, you are willing to pay thousands of dollars for somebody to set up the back end of your business, whether that be a sophisticated um, um, website with all of these different integrations and, you know, different payment platforms, different ways to accept payment, um, different customer relationship management software so you can collect emails and you can, you know, track, 
you know, your data points, right? That's sophisticated and that's something that most of us is such a foreign language that we are happy to pay thousands of dollars, right? So, hey, look at me. You know, I'm always going to use, you know, Farm to Table as an example. Same thing here. Many, 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 many people, when they come to Farm to Table, they are self-proclaimed like, this is not the first time I'm trying to reach this weight loss goal. This is not the first time I'm taking a stab at, you know, getting my blood pressure down. This is not the first time that I'm taking a stab at overcoming this eating addiction, right? So this problem is sophisticated for them. Why? Because they've tried multiple other strategies before um, and they have either not worked or work temporarily and then they found themselves back in the same boat again so now they're like you seem like you have a strategy that truly works you seem like you know what you're talking about you know you have receipts um you know and not only that i am there's too much information out there. So while this is something that I might be able to DIY, you know, adopting a plant-based diet, like I do that Google search and I just want to go take a nap because of the billions of results. I go on YouTube and I'm like, how to properly adapt a plant-based diet? And there's too much information. So you'd rather come to somebody who can demystify for you, who can decode all that information um, and who can simplify it for you because it's too sophisticated. How much water am I really supposed to drink? Okay, is the Beyond Meat Burger and Pasta Burger, is that okay or not? Okay, what about supplements? Can I get everything I need or can I not? Like, it's it's too sophisticated, right? And so, again, the sophistication of the problem. If you're in an industry that is pretty simple for somebody to do for themselves and you are, you know, just making it convenient, there's going to be a cap on how much you can charge. Now, I ain't saying you can't make money, honey. Look at Airbnb, look at Uber. Let's be clear. Like the problem you're solving not being sophisticated doesn't mean that it's not going to produce a boatload of money. But what I'm saying is sophistication does play a part in how much you're able to charge, okay? So first we got the pain of the problem. How much does it cost them to stay the same or do nothing? Next we have the sophistication of the problem, right? The third thing you want to consider um, in pricing out your products and services and charging for your gift is the duration of the time um, your potential client has been experiencing the problem or the duration of the time it's going to take to solve the problem, okay? So the duration of the time they've been experiencing the problem um, is, speaks to exactly what I said earlier. A lot of my students come in front to table and they have been trying to lose weight for years. They have been battling with blood pressure for years. You know, they have been dealing with insomnia or sleep apnea or type 2 diabetes or constipation for years, Right. And so the longer they've had the pain point, the more eager they are to get it solved. It's as simple as that. Right. The longer they've had this pain, the more eager they are to finally get it over and done with. Right. If they're in the beginning of their journey, they're willing to try some things, fall down, get back up, you know, peaks and valleys. But a lot of our students, they have reached a point in their lives where they're like, no more. I'm ready to move on to another season where I'm healthier, happier, whole and this problem has to go, okay? So how long have they been struggling in this particular area, okay? 
The next thing you want to consider is how how long does it take you to solve the problem? A lot of people pay, you know, for expertise because they know that I technically could DIY this thing myself, but you would do it much quicker. Why? Because you've positioned yourself as the expert. It's very clear that this is your gift. This is your lane. You know, I've been watching you, following you, listening to you for a while, and you can do this in X amount of time. And we know, like, listen, listen, I could have put my wallpaper up myself. You couldn't have paid me to do it, though, right? When I picked out my wallpaper, I asked in that very same conversation, and how much is installation? There's no way on this planet that I was going to install my own wallpaper, period. It wasn't going to happen, right? Why? Simply because I would much rather pay for somebody else to do it in a quicker amount of time where I can be in a totally different room doing something way more productive, right? Now, paying for peace is a luxury and a privilege that I accept fully and wholly <laughs> and I live in and I wake up every day and thank God for the ability to pay for peace, right? You know, on some weeks when I just want to uh, when I don't want to cook that much this week, what do I do? I go to my local plant-based chef and have her put me together some meals for the week. Why? Because I want to pay for peace, right? Um, people don't always pay for problems to be solved because they can't do them themselves. They pay for someone else to do them because that is not their zone of genius and their time can be used way more productively. We know that you know the most successful people in the world, this is one of their cheat codes, you know? When I, you know, I have a housekeeper, you know, and I pay my housekeeping services. I kind of live in two different places. And so initially I had them coming out bi-weekly and I was realizing like my house wasn't dirty enough for them to come every two weeks because I can go four or five days and not be here. So I literally, you know, reached out to them. It's like, you guys can just start coming once per month for right now. Right. But I can clean. I don't, I don't, no one else lives with me. I don't even have a pet. So I could totally clean up myself because it's not very much that I usually have to do, but I will much have somebody else scrub my shower, scrub my bathroom, clean my floors. You know, I got two bathrooms. I got, you know what I mean? I got a whole office. I got a bedroom. So it's like, I need, I would much rather pay for that piece. Right. But can I do it for myself? Absolutely. Right. Is it a sophisticated problem? Nope. Right. But someone can do it much quicker and save me the time and I can reserve that energy um, for pouring into you guys. Right. So I invested in a housekeeping service. Right. And it's and I love it. OK. Um, the next thing you want to consider, um, I have like three more things for you. The next thing you want to consider when pricing out your services is the certainty like, how sure are you? The conviction with which you can solve this problem, right? And this really comes down to you operating in alignment and on purpose, right? Because let's be very clear. While I'm, you know, making a case here that you can make really good money being obedient and, you know, serving, my, my case here is that you can serve the people and solve a pain point for people who need it the most and still charge good money for it, right? But it has to be valuable. It has to be equal to the amount of value it's bringing to the table. And it has to be equal 
you know, to the uh, ROI that the, the client can expect, the return on investment that the client can expect. I'm not saying just, you know, add another zero to your price tag because you're feeling bossy today. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is you also shouldn't take a zero away from your price tag because you think you're serving and that means not charging, right? You are not. If you started a business, the one of the jobs of the business is to be profitable. That is not the first responsibility of the business. The very first responsibility of the business is to solve a problem. But in the top three is to be profitable. And I say this even humbly, even if it's a nonprofit, you have to make money to run a nonprofit. Okay, you need money to run a nonprofit. You know, the money just needs to be rerouted in a different way. You can't go out buying a bunch of luxury vehicles and taking snappy vacations. You got to do it in the right way, of course. But what I'm saying is you can charge for what you do. Okay, so my 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 next one was the certainty or conviction for which you can solve this problem. Right. So this comes down to. You know, essentially how. How certain are you, you know, that you can solve this person's problem? And this essentially means, do you have receipts? Do you have receipts that your framework works? I've talked to, so this week um, in Farm to Table, this week and last week, we were doing our one-on-ones. And in our one-on-ones, sometimes our students will prefer to talk about business as opposed to health. And I'm always down for it. Like, that's probably my second favorite topic not even second like health is my first and like business is like 1.5 like I love talking business and entrepreneurship so a lot of my students want to just talk about business like at least I want to go into coaching or I'm already a business owner and I just want some tips on how to uh, get to this level in my business and so I've been like doing some a la carte business coaching for some of our farm to table students Side note, super perk that you get when you sign up for Farm to Table because I no longer do one-on-ones um, outside of my coaching programs. So you, you can no longer like book me just to work one-on-one with me. And definitely I only do one-on-ones inside of my group uh, coaching programs. But so they, they take those opportunities like, you know, I understand everything you're teaching in Farm to Table. Let's talk about this part, you know what I mean, in, in business. And so we've been having some fun doing that. And, you know, I talked, I, I've been telling several of our students, you know, the importance of creating your own unique framework in order to solve your target client's uh, problem. Because a lot of times we start off cons- uh, thinking about the things that don't even matter yet, like how you're going to deliver the product and service, what, you know, what type of what's your domain name, what type of website, platform, or hosting software you're going to use, what should I charge, none of that matters yet. The first thing that matters is you have to get proof that you can truly do what you say you're going to do. That's the first priority, right? So it because you're setting up a business without validating, right? You don't have proof of concept. You have to get proof of concept. So create a framework, you know, create a unique framework to to solve a problem and then go get proof of concept. You know, you know, coach people for free or do some speaking for free or do some corporate training. Maybe you are already doing something, you know, for uh, another company, like working a nine to five and then you want to do it, go out on your own. Um, And so you have the years of expertise in this field. But even with you going out on your own with these years of expertise working for someone else doing it. You still haven't created your own unique framework. You can't, even if you're going to just, if even if you were a tax preparer, 
for, you know, a, a national tax preparation chain, you know, and you decided, well, I could just do this on my own and start my own tax preparation business. You still have to have something unique about your business because that's going to differ. Otherwise, the big chain you just left going to eat you up. Right. And you can only do so much on your own because you you're going to need to train other people in your unique framework. Right. And so you have to bring something to the table that your market hasn't seen, that your uh, discipline and your area hasn't seen yet in that way. OK. And so that level of consistency, that level of conviction is really, really important. So consider that. Right. Do you have receipts? Right. That really helps to dictate how much you can charge is your receipts. You guys know I'm big on receipts. You guys listen to me talk about receipts over and over again. I post receipts on my social media. I get on these podcasts and read some receipts to you. We have receipts because I am so proud and so confident in what we built. And I'm so confident in our ability to help people with our unique framework. And so that's important. Um, two final things I want to give you. Um the next one is the next thing you want to consider when uh, charging for your gift and your service is this. Can you create a bigger problem from the one you solved? Okay. Can you create a bigger problem from the one you solved? Now, this is like the ideal way in which you want to do business. What do you mean by create a bigger problem, Lisa? I thought I was solving a problem. You are solving a problem, but let me give you an example. So, you know, um, I remember I did a branding workshop back in 2019, I think it was. And um, I said this exact same. I said the importance of creating a problem as you're solving one. And the example I gave is like at Farm to Table, uh, people come and say, you know, I'm having <clears throat> uh, inflammation in my back or... You know, I'm and then I'm getting older. I'm having this memory loss um, and, you know, I'm having all of these issues or, you know, type two diabetes, whatever. Right. And they have these issues. And I say, oh, the reason. And then they, they say they log their food for me for a week or two. And then I look at their food logs and I'm able to say, oh, I see the issue right here. The reason you're having, you know, this inflammation and this memory loss um, and these anxiety and panic attacks, part of the reason for that is all of this concentrated sugar, all this refined sugar that's in your diet. And they're like, wait, what? I didn't know sugar caused inflammation. I didn't know that sugar caused, you know, um, uh, memory loss. I didn't know sugar caused me to, um, to take away my ability to concentrate. Like, what do you mean? Like, okay, so first of all, just blew their lid off with that. Like, what? I didn't know sugar. I just knew sugar was bad for my waistline. I just knew that it made me gain weight and I tried to stay away from it from that reason. But I thought that, you know, me getting older was the reason that I couldn't remember anything, right? And then I come in and I say, no, the reason you can't remember anything is because of sugar on your brain. And if you get rid of the brain of the sugar, you'll be able to concentrate and you'll be able to think clearer, sleep better. The inflammation in your back will go away. Well, I just solved the problem for them. And that one conversation, I, I just literally solved the problem for them. But what problem did I create for them? How the heck do I kick my sugar habit? Right? So they, you know, maybe they paid for this consultation with me and I was able to uncover that issue in their diet and tell them this is the part of your diet that's causing X. 
right? The same time I solved that problem is the exact same time I created a new one. All right, you told me sugar is causing these problems in my health. Now, the new problem I have is I need you to teach me a strategy for overcoming this doggone sugar addiction. Because you telling me the problem ain't necessarily solving the problem, right? Okay, you did solve this problem because it was a mystery. So you solved that mystery. Now you created this new problem, which is how to overcome my sugar addiction. You know, how do I still enjoy desserts um, or, you know, without the concentrated sugar, right? Because if I say how to overcome your sugar addiction is to do these three things, this is how you overcome a sugar addiction. Okay. My next problem is now, how do I still enjoy desserts with my friends and family? How do I satisfy my sweet tooth? That's not going to bring back the inflammation in my back and the memory loss, right? So every time you create a solve a problem, you create a new one, right? And have you have, so have you been able to do that in your business, every time you solve a problem, you create a new one. With Farm to Table, for example, many of our um, students go through Farm to Table and they absolutely love it, right? And a lot of them already came into Farm to Table with kind of a passion around health and wellness, not just for themselves, but wanting to teach it or coach to it. We have so many students that are like nurses and caregivers and just in a health field. And um, so then they go through Farm to Table and they're like, man, you don't wet my palate with this science, Lisa. You don't wet my palate with all this new information. I'm so excited. This is amazing. I want to be a certified coach. I want to be certified in plant-based nutrition. I need to match this at a high level because I need to take this back to my patients. I need to take this back to my clientele. Clientele, we have so many um mental health professionals who are like, oh my God, I didn't know, you know, nutrition has such a huge impact on mental health and I'm a, a therapist, you know, I'm a trauma, you know, therapist and I need to be able to teach them about water. I need to be able to teach them about getting those excitotoxins out of their diet for mental health. And so how can I go take this a step further? Do you, do you offer a certification in this, right? So I created a new problem and now what's happening? My certification is coming out in a couple of months and it's been a long time coming. I've been bragging about this certification for years. Um, and so it's, and now, and it'll be released in some months. So I created that, but I made, that's nothing I would even consider creating if the demand hadn't been there. You know, if people hadn't been coming to my lectures and things year over year and really like, I love what you're doing and I've always wanted to do this and I would love to learn how to do it. Right. And so, again, created another problem. And I'm sure once I get rolling with the certification and teaching that something else is going to emerge and then I'm going to and I kind of and thinking about it, I think I've anticipated what the next problem is going to be. And so my wheels are already ticking on how to solve that. Because I think I have an idea of what the next issue is going to be once people go through the certification and go through my coaching program when I teach them my signature um, method and process for coaching. I think I already know what the next problem is going to be. And so I'm already anticipating creating something to solve that problem. Right. And so does the problem you solve create a new one? Something to think about. The final piece of advice or tip I want to give you um, to kind of ease your mind around feeling like, Lisa, I'm still uncomfortable. I'm still nervous. I'm still, 
you know, feeling a certain way about, you know, charging. Because let's say you consider all those things I just named and you come to the conclusion like, yes, I should definitely be charging more. This is a sophisticated problem that I'm serving, uh, solving. You know, it hurts them too bad to not, you know, get out of this pain. You know, I can do it in a much quicker time. They can do it for themselves. Most of them have had this problem for a super long time. You know, I, um, I have receipts, you know what I mean? So you're checking the boxes, checking the boxes, checking the boxes, checking the boxes. But you still might have some apprehension because this is more of a, a how-to and why-to podcast, but it's not a mindset shift, right? And so you also have to have a mindset shift to get you into a place where you feel comfortable with, you know, adding those zeros to your price tag. But here's the deal. Final thing I want you to think about, and this is the thing that kind of eased my nerves when I was considering raising my prices and which kind of made me feel better about everything is this. You can still give on your own terms, right? You can still give on your own terms. So what I mean by that is there, you may very well be right when you say like, no, I know for a fact that raising my prices will essentially price out this group of people and they're the ones who really, 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 really need my help. Like, I don't, I don't think I can raise my prices. Like these people need my help. But I can also guarantee you that there's another group of people who can't afford to pay that new price, right? And will pay that new price and you will be successful as long as, like I said, you position everything properly, right? And you're able to properly articulate your value. So I want you to give on your own terms. For example, what that mean, meant for me was, I have the Black Health Academy, so I created an entire membership platform, right, with all of these, you know, 80 plus master classes um, with two live free. Did I say live? I say live. Two live free nutrition classes every month, right, um, for people to attend at no cost to them. And when you guys know, when I teach those master classes every month, I leave nothing on the table. Not one time have I ever said in one of those classes, I got the formula to help you do this, but you can only get that by paying me this. I give everything. Like, I don't care what it is. Like, I tell you, I pick a topic, and if, I, and, and if I'm lecturing on that topic, I lay it all out on the table. I do not hold anything back, right? I, I'm like, somebody needs to hear this today. There's somebody who can't afford to get in the farm to table class right now, but I want to make sure that if they came to our Get Planet class every first Saturday, or if they come to our open coaching class every fourth Sunday, then they're going to leave with something they can use. They will not feel devalued. They will not feel like they were sold to, you know, for two hours where I give one tip, then spend 15 minutes pitching them on something else, then give another tip and spend another 10 minutes, you know, selling something else. No, I'm about to lecture on this topic. Y'all going to come get this health right and I know the people when they're ready they're still going to see the value and coming to get that all packaged together you know in a unique form format and strategy and farm to table there's no need for me to shave off the value in my free offerings in order for me to fill up my classes in farm to table I know there's no need because there's still some things you can only get in farm to table because there's a unique framework created just for farm to table the farm canvas the plants curriculum there's things that you can't get anywhere else just naturally so it's no need for me to hold back on my free stuff so give on your own terms if you have some apprehension you feel like, you know, the people that you serve need, need what you have 
and they can't get it anywhere else or you want to be the one to give it to them in this quote unquote affordable way, then make it affordable. But then also have your pricing strategy and your pricing and your services and products in such a way where you do have a high ticket item that is, you know, priced that makes you feel comfortable at night where the value that you're providing um, also aligns with the financial needs you need to meet in your business, the financial needs that you need to meet personally, that you're in alignment so you don't start building resentment around your business and the people you serve, right? So I give, I absolutely give, I give a bunch of free stuff through Farm to Table. And I also, most of you guys know, do at least two scholarships for Farm to Table um, every semester, but in charging for farm to table, oh, we gonna charge. You see what I'm saying? So you you can set up your structure in such a way where you're still giving, you're still serving the people, you're not leaving anyone out. There's a little something for everybody. But if you want to drive that luxury car, if you want to live in that nice home, if you want to take those vacations, if you just want, you know, to have a pile of money sitting somewhere and still live in your nice one bedroom bungalow on the water, that's okay too. It doesn't matter what financial freedom looks like for you, but you shouldn't be growing into a business that you're going to build resentment for or that isn't going to really give you and your family the financial freedom um, that you're entitled to because you think you chose a helping field and that's not available to you in the helping field. That's complete rubbish and nonsense. Okay, so take consider those things, check some boxes, go back to the drawing board and see what you come up with. Let me know if this was helpful for you guys. Listen, it's 11 o'clock at night. I don't know what I was thinking doing this this late. I don't know if this dragged on and that this was slow. I hope I don't cringe when I listen back to it. Um, you guys have an absolutely amazing day or night or whatever time you're listening to this. Be sure you are subscribed to the Black Health Academy. We're opening up enrollment for um, our spring farm to table course in March. The spring semester is going to start in April and um, the course is going to be much longer going forward longer than six weeks. So I've got some updates that I'm actually going to be announcing soon. What I'll probably do is just record a new audio to announce all of the updates for Farm to Table because it's too much to list right now. So um, I will talk to you guys in the next obedience episode. Until then, be well.